Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. delightful to be back with you yet again we are in full swing with our set phasers highly logical star trek podcast we sure are and what the whole hell is going on this season in picard my god we're here to run it down oh my goodness so today's star date is started two three two oh two two six dot three and we're talking about picard season three episode two entitled hoo 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 disengage which works on a number of levels. And this was a crazy episode. They revealed a lot, which I was shocked by. I thought we were going to creep along. We just went full pelt. We had lots of reveals. Yes. Things that I thought would be mysteries for a long time. I was like, oh, we'll never know the name of that ship. They're like, you want to know the name of this ship? Before we get into the rundown, we have to handle a bit of business. And that begins with the discussing our Patreon. Yes, we have one. Join it. No. (laughs) What are you missing from your life? Are you missing science fiction nerds? Do you want science fiction nerd friends? Do you want cooking shows with a science fiction nerd? Do you want Zoom watch parties with other science fiction nerds? Do you want Star Trek watch parties with other science fiction nerds? Well, we can give you all that and more at patreon.com forward slash set phases. Yeah, listen, this is important stuff. I hesitate to show this to you now because you mentioned the Patreon, but a friend of Mm -hmm. mine did give me this last week and uh, Ooh, look so at that if we're talking about possible cooking shows <laughs> a star trek cookbook yes where on earth did someone find that at a barnes and nobles that was shutting down <laughs> is that the neelix one i don't think so he's done I would, a cookbook i should get that one this one seems like yeah. it's definitely official but it's just like new york times best-selling author a culinary adventures in the final frontier look at that Boldly going. Boldly going. So join our Patreon. And yes, indeed, I probably will be cooking something out of that book when we're doing one of our hangs. Like a Romulan stew. Oh, you guarantee if there's a (laughs) stew in there, I'm making it. Yes. We might as well just run down this episode. Let's get into it. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? We begin with a flashback two weeks ago. The last episode, it was revealed that this person on the Elios with Beverly was none other than he claimed to be Jack Crusher, her son. Jack Crusher. Wasn't Jack the name of her first husband? Is that true? Yes. Okay. So technically he's Jack Jr. Jack Jr. Or Jack the second? No, you guys go with Jack Jr. But if what if you're borrowing the name from a different dad? It's still well, Jack Jr. That's a Is he good still a junior? Point. That's a good point. I guess he's not Jack Jr. I don't know. The world will never know. Anyway, he's on his own ship, the Mariposa. It's a medical vessel. 
I put that in air quotes. He's on his way to Sardinia Prime, and he gets, which is under quarantine. He gets approached by these Fenris Rangers, and they force an inspection. And he's like, oh, I've just got these this medicine for those people with the Galarian fever. But then as they go through his stuff, he's like, oh, you also have some Romulan ale. And he's like, oh, yeah, I also got these weapons so we can help the warlords down there who are preventing people from getting the medicine to fight. He's got a little of a thief with a heart of gold, kind of a roguish to borrow from a different franchise, Han Solo-esque ruffian with a sweet center vibe going on. And he manages to bribe these rangers to let him do what he means to do. But as they are leaving with their the bounty that they've taken from him, one of them reaches out through comms and says to reach out to the quote, marked woman, which I didn't understand at the beginning of the episode to say they have found him. Present day, Picard, Riker, and Jack, they're on the Elios. Jack says they've been running for months. They have no idea who's following them. They're in this nebula. Their systems are fried. The people that have the weird ship that's floating hasn't communicated with them. And Picard wants to negotiate because he's Picard. And they're thinking maybe we can reach out to the Titan, even though they're not here, but possibly they're still close enough and ask for help. And if they can get Beverly on the shuttle because she's in a med pod because she's been severely injured, maybe they can figure something out. Meanwhile, on the Titan, Captain Shaw and Seven are not seeing eye to eye. They have noticed that a third vessel, has they've been holding position. So they know that there's a third vessel in the nebula. They don't know what's going on. Seven wants to save them. The captain is not interested. He thinks they're outgunned and he actually dismisses Seven, but continues to hold position. Meanwhile, Jack is trying to work on Beverly to make sure that the pod stays up and he's trying to get them out of there. And that's when this mysterious ship fires on the Elios. The shuttle, <laughs> it gets completely blown apart. And they are trapped there in the nebula with this mysterious ship, unable to fly away or do anything. Back on La Serena, following Rafi. Remember that there was this huge attack last episode on the recruitment base on Metallus. So Rafi's looking at all this news coverage of the attack and news people and the government or whoever seem to be blaming it on a... Romulan rebel faction leader named Lurak Toluco. Lurak Toluco is who they're trying to blame this thing on. There are 117 confirmed dead. Rafi contacts her Starfleet intelligence handler who's only speaking through a weird voice mod of, or like a, like they're basically texting. <laughs> and uh, she is like, hey, I think there's something else deeper going on here. And her contact is saying, hey, Starfleet has suspended all investigations into this. We have a suspect, this Lurak Toluco. Do not engage in any further investigations. But Rafi's like, I saw this, there's a redacted statement from this Ferengi black market dealer named Sneed, who says that he sold these secret weapons from the Daystrom Institute to an anonymous buyer, and she thinks Sneed is lying, and he that's how they say they know that it's Lorak Toluco. And Rafi says, I don't think that's true, and I think we need to investigate it. And her handlers, once again, do not engage, do not seek I forget what they say. I wrote it in quotes. Do not seek blame. Do not seek anger. Do not seek blame. Do not seek anger. Which, oh. by the way, is, it flashes up in the credits. It does. I saw that. eagle eyes. This time yes, I watched does. the credits. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Rafi's like, you know what? I want an in-person meet then. Let's talk about this face-to-face. -face. That request is denied by her contact. And she goes, fine. Then I'm going to figure this out on my own. And she decides she's going to go off on her own and figure this out. Meanwhile, back on the Titan, Seven is summoned by Captain Shaw, who recently dismissed her, <laughs> into what I assume is a lab, the science lab. Had like a Voyager science lab room kind of vibe going on there. And he wants to know, 
uh, he's basically like, did you help them do that? He's like still looking for a scapegoat for the situation that they're in and doesn't know what to do. And Seven makes a case for rescue, a not unclear case for rescue versus cowardice and leaves. Meanwhile, in the nebula, Picard, Riker, and Jack have locked themselves in like a workshop room. Picard is setting up these transport inhibitors just in time because immediately after he gets them set up, the mysterious ship tries to transport Jack out of the ship. And that's when they realize, oh, Picard, you old detective. He's like, they want you and they want you alive. You're the reason that they didn't try to get Beverly or try to blow the ship up. Knowing that they can't take Jack, the ship is immediately boarded. Things are getting pretty hairy there on the Elio. Structural integrity is starting to be lost. The ship is being tractored in a messy tractor beam and Beverly's a pod. So energy is going in and out. But then there's movement on the sensors and the Titan comes back and it boom puts its saucer sensor in between the Elios and the superior ship. So the, the tractor beam is gone and then they start tractoring in the Elio but then the Elish is still being boarded and they're trying to then, before the whole ship basically falls apart, they're trying to get those three, the now four people they see on their scans out of there. And so Picard has to shoot the inhibitors and they're able to beam up onto the Titan just in time. Rafi, we get a little Rafi backstory here. Meanwhile goes to talk to her ex, I guess. Some dude who apparently owns a bar and knows Sneed. And I don't know. I didn't really like this guy. He's he's like, oh, our son still talks to me. He told me you would cause you like he's whatever. He's got a lot of blamey issues going on there. And uh, he's like, oh, I don't know if I can't help you meet Sneed. If you don't want to also meet, I can put in a good word for our son. If you want to meet our son, but you got to choose which one I'm going to help you with. Even though you're in Starfleet Intelligence and there was a terrorist attack a day ago that you're investigating. He's like, this is why you're a bad mom or whatever. Anyway, Rafi's like, fine, I guess I choose to try to help save lives and not put the galaxy into distress. And he's like, okay, I'll set up the meeting. So anyway, he owns a bar and he's able to set up a meeting with her, with Sneed. Back in the nebula, alien ship is circling the Titan. Beverly is in sickbay. Shaw doesn't want to run away. Doesn't want to now, doesn't want to run away. He's like, now that we're here, we might as well see who we're talking to. And that's was his biggest mistake. The Titan does get hailed, and we meet the marked woman, Captain Vadic. Yeah, we're really we're on the same page again. <laughs> uh, I got you. Okay, great. Yes, Vadic is like, hey, check me out. Scan my ship. Because before we get to talking, you should know what I got. They let down their shields. The ship is scanned. It is armed to the teeth. I've never seen a ship in Star Trek ever this armed. I'm trying to think of, there was like other ships. I thought the one in Star Trek, the new, of the new movie on the Kelvin timeline, mm. I thought it looked a lot like that. It did look a lot like that. That's why I was, this is interesting. They're, it's not quite as jellyfishy or squiddy with its little spiral things. It's a very dumb True, but it was very like, it came out and it was very like me. They have claws, a claw, a space claw. Yeah, Yeah. it looked like a giant lobster claw. A big, giant, angry lobster claw. Anyway, it's armed to the teeth, just yes. But I guess that ship in the new, the Kelvin timeline had a lot of weapons, but also had one major weapon, which is why it was like, but also this one does. They see, anyway, they scan and they see it's got all these weapons and also one weapon the technology of which they don't know so it's got tons of weapons they do know and then one like random possible super duper weapon and this captain vatic knows more than 
Wow, we don't know how she knows everything she knows. She knows that Picard is in his synthetic flesh since season one and mentions that, hey, you're harboring this fugitive, Jack Crusher, who has a sizable bounty and we want him. And she goes into Shaw's psychological profile. Yeah, because he says, I was having a good day until today. And she says, according to your psychological profile, that's good as keeping you out of trouble. So we now know Shaw has some, maybe has some issues. We knew Shaw had some issues in the first episode. You know what I will say, just stepping out here, Shaw, as much as I dis liked him and still dislike him as a character. He had some great lines in this episode. Some very good lines as captain. Okay, so Vatic's like, you have an hour to turn Jack over to me. And then she says, and to prove how much I want this to happen, uh, her ship tractors the remains of the Elios and throws them (laughs) at the Titan, causing a ridiculous amount of destruction. A blunt but forceful thing. And then everyone on the bridge turns to look at Jack. Gets It's like, Seven, tell me about this Vatic person. And Seven says, we don't have anything in Federation, but there are rumors amongst the Fenris Rangers about a ship this armed that does some certain things. And he's like, tell me about Jack Crusher. And she gives him a pad about Jack Crusher. And he's like, oh, at the same time that Riker and Picard are questioning Jack, Shaw comes in and says, okay, you're under arrest. He says, you're Jack Crusher, AKA. I will list off these pseudonyms because I think they're funny. Jack Candy, John Carson, James Cole, and Jarls, Jalis Carvel. That, that's very funny. That's like a name you would make up as a teenager <laughs> on a fake ID. <laughs> yes, my name, I'm Jarvis Carvel, and I'm 36 years old. He's a con man. He's a fugitive. He's been stealing things. He has dealt in all sorts of contraband in and outside of the Federation. And so he puts Jack in the brig and he's very much considering handing him over. He relieves Seven of duty for insubordination. Car tries to go to bat for Seven. Shaw is, no, I'm gonna give up Vatic for the bounty and then we'll settle the rest of this garbage at a tribunal because this, we don't have anything in this race and we'd lose in this dogfight. We don't have the weapons. And Picard says, I wanna talk to Jack. Maybe I can figure something out. And Shaw says, you have 30 minutes to figure it out because we gotta throw this kid over. I can't win this fight. Riker takes Jean-Luc aside and basically says, everyone knows. <laughs> How have you not put this together? The kid, so he doesn't know who Beverly has a child. is 20 years old. It's the last time you saw Beverly. He's very, takes charge very ably. He seems to have learned from both of his biological parents. Also, he's got a British accent, which is very silly. I don't know why they decided to use that. <laughs> Accents are not hereditary. I remember with, what's his face in season two? <sighs> You're a sword boy. Uh-huh, yes. I want to call him Elon, but I don't remember his name. Yeah, we'll go with Elon, e- sword boy. Emu, yes. e- Elon. You're, 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 you, no. Oh. Ilius? Ilius? Mm. Should we Google it? I'm Googling. You can Google that. Elnor. Thank you, Elnor. That was yeah. close, Just Elon. so you know, I typed in Romulan sword boy Picard, and it worked. <laughs> That's good. Sword boy. I love that he was the only person of the Kuat Malad who had a Kiwi accent. Yes. Where, and where might he have gotten that? No one uh, knows. Yeah, that weird. He, he, that's, uh, yeah. The point is, I love that. But that was fine because they were like, we'll just ignore the fact that he has that accent. <laughs> but this is like, where did this kid... <laughs> Traveling yeah. with Beverly Crusher his whole life. And it's maybe because he's a con man, he learned a British accent or something. But anyway, 
it seems like they're trying to be like, you can't see that this is your son. He's got your accent, dude. <laughs> anyway, Riker's telling Picard to do the math and Picard's sort of being blockheaded about it. He's like, oh, it could be anything. So Picard goes to Jack to ask about the charges. Jack claims that he's been a thief in order to help buy medicine. He does it for various causes. And Beverly is his partner. They've been doing this together, he says. And he says that if handing him over to Vatic will buy his mother a future, then he's fine with it. And Picard says, well, do a little more digging. Meanwhile, Rafi goes to the bar and meets with Sneed. It's the usual undercover agent meeting thing. She shows up. She gets carried in. He's sitting on a couch. He's jovial and avuncular, but also weird and threatening. He says, she says, she claims that she works for this Toluco. And then that's why she's there to question him, because she wants to know who paid him to blame her employer. But Sneed reveals that he has Saluko's head right behind the couch. And he's like, I know that you're Starfleet. Also to prove, to make, before he reveals that, to make her prove that she's not Starfleet, he has her do drugs. And so then she has to do these drugs to prove that she's not a narc. And then she's all out of it. And then he's like, all right, we're going to take your head off and we're going to destroy every evidence that you were here. And she's like, what? And she tries to fight, but she's all jacked up. And then someone bursts in to this weird room. Truly, I wrote down... Warrior shows up. Warrior shows up kicking ass with a batleth. <laughs> Truly just murking everybody. Yes. I don't think it was a batleth. It was some sort it of It looked mix. like a sword, right? A it sword batleth. That's but true. I, right. You're right. I got I got deep into it, right? And I think it was revealed that it was a corleth. Oh. Uh, we've never seen Worf wield this exact Klingon weapon. Yes. Apparently it was created by Dan Curry, who also designed the batleth. Batleth and Worf's smaller weapon, the Mechleth. Yes. So this is somewhere in the middle called a Curleth. Because he did sheathe it. So I was like, how did, what the? And you see it from the back. But it has, yes, it's definitely a Klingon blade. Uh, yes, it and is. He, he uses it to literally turn about his fair play, decapitate <laughs> Sneed. And then he's, we don't know. We listen, I knew it was Worf from Jump. I was like, gray hair tied back in a bun, whooping ass with a weird Klingon weapon. It's Worf. But you don't see his face. And so he's a stranger and Rafi's all out of it and confused and he picks her up. She's still out of it from the drugs. And then there's a close up of his face and we see Worf, old man Worf. And he says, I told you, do not engage. So Worf is section 31. Yes, apparently he is. Right, I guess. Anyway. I think there's some discussion about that online, about whether it's actually Section 31 or if it's Star Trek Intelligence, which is different because right. it's a different time period, yada, yada. Yeah. Sneed does say Section 31 when he's he does. like, you, you're probably Section 31. But anyway, Worf is Worfin. I loved it. And I love that now, in retrospect, you look back and you, Worf's, <laughs> the way he's been texting Rafi is like, do not seek anger. He's definitely in his monkish phase. I had to do a quick lap around my living room when that happened. Back on the Titan. I did too. Yeah, I, like I, was that, I stood up and I was like, oh my God, it's <laughs> Not how I expected Worf to come into this story. Shaw is not budging. He's like, we're going to get rid of, of this Jack guy. Very funny moment where Jack breaks out of prison by <laughs> saying, oi, Starfleet, to the guard there. 
and finding out exactly how the shield is attuned. I really enjoyed Oh, wait, Starfleet. <laughs> it was very, very, you're about to get your ass handed to you. Get Breaks out of the thing, knocks the guy out, makes a run for it. Beverly is heavily sedated. A lot of things are happening on the Titan at once at the very end here. Riker's like, how is she doing? The doctors there say she's fine, but she's heavily sedated. He goes and grabs some medicine. Like, you can't do that. And he's like, I've got to do this. Picard is still arguing with Shaw. Vatic hails them. She says, oh, hey, let me, you guys are probably wondering what the name of my vessel is. <laughs> it's called the Shrike. It's like a little carrion bird that never kills out of malice or anger, but does attack bit by bit and can take down huge predators, no problem. And she says, I know I said you give an hour, but I'm going to continue to attack you as the minutes go by until you must do as I say. And then she signs off. That's when Shaw finds out that Jack has gotten out. Everyone is running around trying to figure out what's going on. Seven who has been dismissed because of insubordination, says she doesn't care. She wants a tag team. She's headed to the shuttle bay. She gets there. She confronts Jack. They have a standoff. Both of their phasers raised. She's able to alert Shaw that she has Jack in the shuttle bay. That wins her back into his good graces. Jack wants the transporters unlocked so that he can beam himself over to the ship. Picard is like, yeah, he's trying to save us. But he's like, maybe we should figure something else out. And Jack wants to do it. Shaw wants to do it. Vatic wants it. Everyone has turned against it. And finally, Picard's like, I guess I'm outnumbered here. We got to do that. Shaw gives the order to unlock the transporters. And then what should happen? But Riker shows up with a silent, injured Beverly on the bridge. And a meaningful look of eye contact happens between Picard and Beverly. And Admiral Picard, Bigfoot Shaw on the bridge of his own damn ship because he realizes Jack is his son. So Picard hails the Shrike, engages, fires, and flies the Titan into the nebula. And Vatic orders the Shrike to follow while laughing merry with the chase of her quarry. And that is the end of episode two of season three of Star Trek Picard. Let's chat about that. I say, darling, let's do a quick chat about that. Yes, yes, let's do. What even to say? Bonkers. Bonkers. Wowza. 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 Yeah, Picard has a son. I guess we knew that, but now him realizing it and bigfooting the captain (laughs) was a kind of tremendous moment. Yeah, but it wasn't even that Jack being his son was the huge reveal. It was just like we all knew. Right. It was that Beverly communicated it to him like, you're going to give your son over to these people to be killed. Silently. Riker knew, because Riker does have more emotional intelligence than Picard, generally speaking, (laughs) and knew that he had to get Beverly in the mix. And then Picard, realizing what was going on, was like, all right, fuck it. I guess I'm taking, I guess this is going to be till the end, which is great because I was worried that it would be like a rescue mission thing, which I didn't want to see. And I love that a young LaForge is going to be piloting the ship in this chase through the nebula. It should be uh, Crash LaForge. Crash LaForge. Is about to get to show her stuff. I was a little surprised that just the tiny piece of information that he is Picard's son changed Shaw's mind. That was a little surprising to me because he just didn't give two shits. He didn't give two shits when it was Beverly's son. But I think the whole time, the thing that Seven said to him about you could be a hero or you could be the captain who played it safe. He's like, he, Mm. it's like that idea, letting Picard's son, the son of Jean-Luc Picard. Now he's like, great. I can have enmity for Picard and Riker and everybody, but I can't be like, and we ditched his son once we knew who he was. All right. Yeah. That's fair. And then I also think he realized he couldn't, once Picard used rank on him, I think he's like, who's going to win this fight? Me? 
your surly captain that maybe is lovable in a gruff way, <laughs> or Jean-Luc Picard, hero of the Empire, who's doing this for his son. Like, he's, there's no way he would have control over his ship. So, get along, my friend. Get in where you fit in, Captain Shaw. Maybe you learn something. What else? Everything else. Worf? What about Worf? So this is his first appearance in Star Trek since mm -hmm. Star Trek Nemesis in 2002. So 21 years. Yeah, almost as old 21 as 21 long years. <laughs> 20, young 20-year-old Jack. Once we realized when we were talking about how young he was in the last episode, I now was looking very closely at this actor. I'm like, he's not 20. <laughs> no. Oh, not boy. even a little bit. I hope there's got to be some... Did they make love and then Beverly got trapped in a time warp or something like how was their son in his late 30s early 40s <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah. i don't know how they're swinging that really it is what it is we suspend okay. reality do you think he looks like a young picard not really but i think they knew they couldn't do the hackneyed thing they did with nemesis where they're like we're gonna make you look and just like shave picard. his head yeah shave his head and have him do the picard walk thing but they Definitely trying to, like, in the beginning of the episode when Jack's like, we're, here's what we're going to do on the ship. He's taking over. And through Riker, we see that Riker's like, this is your kid, for sure. This kid is the son of Beverly and Picard. But I don't think he looks like it. I know what Patrick Stewart looked like young, and this is not what this kid looks like. So no. it's hard to it's hard to suspend that belief. My poor Laris, now that Picard has a long-lost son with a lost love. <laughs> I think Laris is actually the picture. A lot of L's in that question. Long... Laris and his long-lost love. You don't think Laris would get along with Jean-Luc's long-lost lover and her son? Little son? <laughs> I'm sure she would, but do you think Picard might just go, Oh, that's Beverly. It's been a long time. <laughs> They've not been lovers for a long time. Picard isn't... I don't think Picard and Beverly are going to... Get back together now. It's a ship that has been in the making for 1988 damn near 40 years <laughs> yeah but she's like yeah here's your son they fight a bunch of people and at the end he's like, i love you beverly and she's like i love you jean luke i love you beverly. he's like first i gotta call my girlfriend it's time we had the talk he's not gonna do a robin song you know what i mean i hear you i'm just curious because and if you are a nerd a big nerd as i am a big Who, nerd who's, who's nerdy here me okay. i like to watch the ready room and this week the conversation was in fact, no, sorry, last week, it was Patrick Stewart and Kate McFadden. Yes. And they were talking about the fact that this relationship has been something fans have wanted for such a long time and never got it. So now yeah. I'm like, oh, do we get it now? Are we going to get our all our ship fantasies come mm. to pass? And they keep pairing them in interviews and things like that. So it's making me think that this is the long lost love story. And in the last two seasons of Picard, he's been looking for, for that love and connection. Yeah. And I don't know that it's Laris. I like Laris so much. I, I also love Laris. Big fan. She said she'd but, leave a seat for him at the bar. It's so nice. It's so nice. Yes, it is. But is she the no, one? No, she's not Lucky? Beverly. Of course she's yes. not Beverly. No. But maybe Beverly is not interested. Maybe not. But I don't know. What, why has she been so pissed off at him for 20 years? 25. Well, exactly. Whatever years. he did. Maybe it's not just like, hey, kiss, kiss. Let's ride through this nebula and get out of here. Mm -hmm. Sitch. Anyway, I hear you. I'm, I'll be happy either way. Someone's got to lose. That's what that makes. That's what makes it stakes. It's all complicated. And now there's Picard's son in the mix. And these are dangerous times. Hope they don't go full on. God. You know. Yeah. Poor Rafi having to take drugs. 
Oh yeah, so hard. I was like, in that moment, I was like, maybe she'll say, I kicked this and I don't need to use it anymore or whatever, but you see, it's tough. I don't know if they're doing this deliberately, but a few times they flash from Rafi dealing with shit to Seven dealing with shit. And I just am like, if they were together, they would be just kicking ass. But they're mm. both getting in like really fucked up situations alone. It's like, it'll be Rafi like looking over the, being like, I got to do this on my own. And then it's Seven being summoned to talk to Captain Shaw. And I'm like, it's creating a tension inside me. Uh, to bring those two storylines together. How do I, like, Seven, go acquit and go to Metallus for no reason. I don't know. I have no idea how that works. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, Rafi, this is a weird posting for her to have to do, given her history. I feel like it's a Mm -hmm. real test. But she's very good at finding out conspiracies, so that's she's perfect for that. Knowing Mm -hmm. that Worf was her handler is interesting. I'm curious how that happened. Worf is such a straight shooter, and Rafi is such a like, well, if you see that there's a footprint here and this is the, they use this thing, well, obviously it's what you don't see that tells you what you know, like Rafi goes into her like beautiful mind thing to figure stuff out. And Worf is like, who has the honor here? You know, do not seek <laughs> anger. Do not <laughs> seek blame. When Rafi comes around and they finally talk face to face. I also, this is obviously not what Worf is supposed to be doing to go. Hmm. No. Like he knew that she was going off on her own, didn't say anything. And it was like, I got to go get involved. So then he trailed her. Anyway, everything right now is really, I'm very satisfied with how, well, the way things are going. And then a final thing to chat about. I'll just say it. I just want to reiterate. I think Captain Shaw is learning. He's, he has his own little mini arc that we don't, it's not really part of the main character's arc, but he seems to be like beginning to understand captaincy if you catch my drift Mm. what it is it's not about just like running a tight ship and everything is clean and everyone does everything as they're supposed to do and and follow the rules and i don't like you cowboys and whatever he's got in his psychological past but he's now confronted with a he's not it's not just exploratory he's being confronted with true situations and having to discover how a captain has to make choices that are impossible as opposed Mm -hmm. to simply going by the book I like that. I like that they're showing captains are not just because you've achieved the rank of captain doesn't make you Janeway or Picard. Yes. Like you do have to become a legendary captain. You have to earn that by being confronted with crazy situations and just finding the way through. Anyway. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Set Phasers. We go immediately to the Easter egg desk with Stevie Matt. Stevie, what have you got for us today? Well, hi there, Rocky. I am here on the set of Star Trek Picard Season 3, and we have lots of great Easter eggs for you today. So, obviously, we talked about Jack Crusher. Ahem. Named for Beverly's former husband, Jack, who died under Picard's command Ooh. on the Stargazer. Lovely little throwback there. We never obviously met Jack when he was alive. We had a couple of throwbacks at one point. There was a nice little scene that Picard had with him, I think. Why do I want to say that when he was like having his heart surgery or something? Yeah. There was something. He had a throwback. So the Elios, identified as a Mariposa medical vessel, references the clinic run by Dr. Teresa Ramirez in season two. And Mariposa, we love this, meaning butterfly referencing the very famous short story by Rad, uh, Brad Bravery. Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury. A Sound of Thunder, which I was made to read in high school. Oh, were you? 
and study. Yes, I was. The shuttle for Riker and Picard was the Savic. Did you notice? No, I didn't, but I love that. I didn't come quick on that. <laughs> yeah, it floated up in front of me, written on it. I was like, oh. So Savic obviously references the half Vulcan, half Romulan protege of Spock, first introduced in The Wrath of Khan, played by Kirstie Alley, who we had an Easter egg for last week. Yes. Paramount revealed in their official logs Instagram account that Savic, played by Kirstie as we mentioned, was the first captain of the USS Titan, predating Shaw and Riker by around a century. Wild. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. Wild. And it's a lovely little tradition, as in the TNG episode, The Most Toys, where Data flew a shuttlecraft called Pike. Isn't that good? That's very good. That's, That's very, very good. Very good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, we also have some more lineage stuff here. So, obviously, we have Jack Crusher as the new son of, new, well, new son, long-lost son of Picard. <laughs> My but new Amanda, son. Sorry. Amanda Plummer, who plays Vadik, is yes. the daughter of famous actor Christopher Plummer, who yes. played General Chang in Undiscovered Country Star so, Trek Oh, wild. I haven't seen Undiscovered Country in 100 years. I have. I don't recall it, to be honest. That's a weird one. But that was good. Obviously, and she's so creepy. Oh my god, we didn't talk about Vatic in the chat, but we holy didn't. shit, just <sighs> every utterance, every physical choice is wow. great. Yeah. Terry Metalis was on the Ready Room talking about it, and he was like, "For when you think of a Star Trek baddie, you've, she's epic." Yes. Yeah. She just really nails it. Now, there are a lot of 12 Monkeys Easter eggs, which is really more to do with Terry Metalis than it is to do with Star Trek. Right. Jack Crusher's false names included James Cole, which was the character played by Bruce Willis and the protagonist of 12 Monkeys, Wild. who was also played by Aaron Stanford in the TV reboot. And Aaron Stanford plays the Ferengi boss, Sneed. What? What? That's crazy. Why are they doing this to us? My brain's going to explode. Mind blown. <laughs> and of course, it's not specifically an Easter egg, but Worf is Rafi's handler. And Worf, this is, as I mentioned, this is Worf's first reappearance since Nemesis in 2002. And when he reappears, we hear Jerry Goldsmith's Klingon theme as first heard when it was featured in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yeah. Yeah. Classic gold Easter eggs there for you, Arkia. Yeah. That's everything that I have here from you here on the Star Trek The Card Set Season 3, Episode 2. I can't wait for next week, but right now it's back to you in the studio. Yes, it is. Thank you very much, Stevie. Whoa, I became... James Mason has shown up again. Accidentally. <laughs> I don't know. When he just shows up sometimes. Let's move on. <laughs> it really caught me by surprise. I wasn't expecting to do that. I think it's time we move on to quotable moments. Quotable moments. I had a million quotable moments. Go, you typing go. like a crazy person. I will, uh, again, just go into bat here for Shaw, who had a few moments where I feel like he was discovering how out of depth he was in this situation. When they are finally, he's been convinced by Seven to move in and save the shuttle, and they discover that they're or not two people on board, not three people on board, but four people on board. He says, bring them all on board. We're basically a hotel now. Uh, and then when they're, when they realize that Vatic has them completely outnumbered and outgunned, they have no way to escape, no way to run. And they're trapped in a nebula. They have no long range communications. He says, we are essentially cornered in space, which has no corners. And uh, let's see. Rafi saying, disengage? No. Hell no. Which I really, brilliant line read. Now, let's see. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, God. Riker had two absolute 
gems in this episode. He had a few, but when they're talking to Jack and he says, we're at a disadvantage here, kid, and if there's one place I don't want to be in the galaxy, it's on my back foot. So think. Very. Mm. Rikery. I'm wondering if you caught the other Riker quote that I'm probably going to use. I don't want to steal all your quotes, Stevie. I just got the one quote. There's no question we both were super chuffed when he said, when they're talking to Shaw about giving Jack over trial, he says, that man is wanted for a trial, not execution, and we damned well know that's not a ship, it's a guillotine. Again, Riker just chew that furniture. Picard with a a little quip when he comes to talk to Jack and he's seen his dossier and he says, I have a great affinity for virtuosos, but it seems your instrument is deception. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That whole scene, I loved it because for me it was just like classic TNG Picard. Yes. Like I I didn't feel like I'd seen that for such a long time. Yeah, truly walking in and he's like, I'm about to... I've got decisions to make. I do, yeah. I did like Picard saying, oh, when he's talking to Shaw, he says, Shaw's like, we got to give him up. We got to run away. Oh, did I not write that down? Oh, no. Oh, yes, I did. And he's like, we only have a few minutes left. And Picard says, reestablish comms. We may be able to bring her down simply by standing up, which is a very Picard concept. Here's an enemy before you. It's outnumbered, outgunned. The Kirk would be like, we got to fool him. We got to play cards, gamble, make a crazy gamble. Picard's like, we simply must stand up to them. Number one. Um, oh, and then when yes, Vadik comes in, <laughs> he says absolutely nothing. He says absolutely nothing. And off. Shaw's like, oh, was that standing up, was <laughs> it? Great standing up there, Admiral. That was very good. Very good comic relief. But he does, when he finds out that Jack is his son, he does stand up. And then Jack saying to Picard, I think one of the a critical of the crucial moment, is there anybody you know who is still the person you knew? Or have you planted roots in your vineyard while everybody else moved on? Yes. That was... That was snaps for that i think that's all of my quotes my favorite i think was we need to go captain this is jack to picard and picard goes admiral and jack goes you can educate me on the chain of command in the afterlife but from what i heard history remembers you with one less pit that was pretty solid yes yeah it was a good one i like that i guess we should move on to next time next time on set phasers Yes, and next time on Set Phases, James Mason will return to host the show. And what about Julia Child? Julia, with my dear co-host, Julia Childs. Julia, so good to see you. We'll be, uh, yes, thank you very much for listening to this episode of wild craziness you we're of our set phases cooking show. and uh, the method acting <laughs> for the gentlemen of the 20th century you can find us wherever you find your podcast we put out episodes every i think it's monday uh, but uh, sometimes my schedule makes it so that it's hard for us what? to, to what, do why that. do you suddenly sound like king charles i'm not king, entirely sure Mason. i it's thought that was more of a king it's uh, i'm tired I, and i like farming and butter Biscuits. I like farming butter biscuits. I'm not, I haven't <laughs> dialed in my James Mason. It was a shock. Okay, I did. I haven't done James Mason in six, seven months, yeah. and I haven't dialed him in. So yes, please do subscribe to our podcast. We have so many back episodes where we've covered all of the new Star Trek franchises. And you can get them wherever your podcasts are mm-hmm. gotten from. Yes, and of course, go to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash set phasers for now. That is all, and I am Stevie Mans. And I'm an unknowable asshole who lives in his head instead of the real world. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer, end program. Uh.